use caffeine, use melatonin, because it's only for short periods of time. And then of course, always use the reduced light, reduced body temperature, reduced brain activity. Um, and that light will have to be a blindfold if you're sleeping in the day as, as well. Welcome to the B-Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life without taking ourselves too seriously. I'm Brad Kearns, New York Times bestselling author, former number three world-ranked professional triathlete, and Guinness World Record Masters athlete. I connect with experts in diet, fitness, and personal growth and deliver short breather shows where you get simple, actionable tips to improve your life right away. Let's explore beyond the hype, hacks, shortcuts, and sciency talk to laugh, have fun, and appreciate the journey. It's time to be rad. I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near infrared for red light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes. And there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for B-Rad podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Damien Porter, everybody, coming to you from across the world, all the way in beautiful Perth of Western Australia, you're going to learn some fascinating facts, including 
that Perth is the most isolated city in the world. Yeah, man, it's way over across the continent. It's the difference between New York and Los Angeles when we're talking about the more familiar cities and uh, in Australia. Damien's doing some great work over there, uh, and he comes from an interesting perspective of a long career in the military as a special forces operator, uh, also a police officer. So he has that no-nonsense, straight-ahead approach where he's going to dispense a whole bunch of really practical, simple, and easy-to-implement tips, particularly in his real area of interest, which is managing stress, especially through sleep. So we spend a lot of time talking about uh, sleep tactics and strategies for not only people that have the flexibility to create optimal bed and wake times for people that are challenged by their careers and other disruptions to optimal sleep cycles. We also have a nice tidbit about the power of intentional breathing to instantly change your physiology and depart from an anxious, stressed state into parasympathetic function. And I'm glad we spent some time on this because uh, you might have heard this anecdote bantered about. And uh, when I think about it more with Damien, it, the, the power is amazing that if you can simply control your breathing and commence a known strategy such as box breathing or the 478 breathing pattern promoted by Dr. Andrew Weil, or generally try to minimize your breathing, as I've talked about on my show, summarizing the insights from Oxygen Advantage, and practice that nasal diaphragmatic de-stress breathing, de-escalated breathing, you will change your physiology. It's incredibly powerful. And he gives an amazing anecdote uh, from one of his clients who did it, I believe he said 67 times in one day. Like she kicked into box breathing because she knew she was about to get stressed or feeling stressed. And boy, if you can do stuff like that to change your life the easy way, without the elaborate protocols and prescription drugs and things that have side effects and uh, a long, arduous journey to, to get better, I'm all ears. So I think you're going to love Damien's straightforward approach, but it's also mixed with incredible kindness and sensitivity. So he's a real tough guy. He's the badass going into the, uh, the, the building to save the hostages and all that special training. But you're going to love, if you're watching on video, his big smile, or you can hear his energy come through if you're listening. So he has had uh, time as a, a police officer, currently a firefighter and a coach and a, a content creator doing his great podcast. Um, he was also a champion bodybuilder and one of the first personal trainers in the world way back when, when I was just starting out in his home country of New Zealand. Here we go with Damien Porter. Damien Porter, thank you so much for joining me, possibly my furthest guest away that I've maybe ever talked to on this podcast from Perth, Australia. <laughs> thank you so much, Brad. It's an absolute honor to, uh, to join you on your show. So when we think of Australia, especially here in America, we're very familiar with the East Coast and the big cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Um, but Perth, the magnificent yeah. Perth, is a whole continent away. So tell me what it's like over there in the state of Western Australia. And then uh, tell me what's all in between like Sydney and Perth when you're flying over the uh, the continent. Uh, that's interesting. Um, I think the first uh, uh, discoverers or adventurers here called it um, uh, Terra Australis, but they thought there was nothing here at all apart from the little coast. 
Perth is the most isolated city in the world. Um, I'm from New Zealand, and uh, when I was in the Special Forces there, four of us, including myself, were looking to come and move to Perth, and we did our, um, our background checks, and we realised Perth was the most isolated city in the world, and it's um, it's the desert of Western Australia, literally um, um, surrounded by nothing apart from Perth and a whole bunch of mine sites. I could probably liken it to maybe Texas. I'm not so sure. And then on the other side of the the country, which is probably the same size as America, um, is the actual cities you know of, of Sydney and um, the Sydney Harbour Bridge and Sydney Opera House and all the beautiful things. But we're over here in like 40, 45 degrees in the summer and uh, surrounded by mine sites, beautiful beaches, lots of sharks. So <laughs> swimming's not the best uh, idea here. And um, yeah, hey, it, it's what we make it. It's it's, it's pretty interesting uh, little place and uh, a lot better economy than uh, than where I came from. And um, of course, I met my my beautiful partner over here. In so we're um, we're talking about what's the stat where. Is it 90% or 95% of Australians live within a couple miles of the coast? <laughs> That's because there's nothing else there. The whole, the whole country is one big mine site surrounded by some beautiful coastal uh, uh, cities that you probably uh, raced in. Um, and, and they are gorgeous. Um, every every uh, Kiwi, every uh, New Zealander goes to the Gold Coast and in um, and, and Brisbane when they go on holiday, they leave New Zealand. Oh, to get warmer and more more tropical scene. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you had a background in military, which I think is going to be fun to get into, and also your current role uh, supporting uh, those per peak performers in the military and elsewhere. So maybe give us a little background on your career track and how you got into your current position. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Um, so, you know, I was, I was a personal trainer back in the day. Um, we started personal training in the gyms. And it was just very... Um, old school but at 27 years old I, I joined the um, I think you call them reserves or part-time army or national guard I joined the reserves and then um, I ended up doing a mission to East Timor um, in 2000 which um, was a real eye no it started to get me out of out of the gym scene into real life um, into you know life and death decisions what what was really important for, for humans and uh, long story short, I left the military straight away when I came back because, of course, the grass is greener. And then after a couple of years of exercise rehab, um, teaching that, I then had, I could make an informed decision of this is the military, this is civilian life, and I chose the military. I went back into the military in 2003, uh, tried out for special forces here in 2005 in, in, in New Zealand, and um, I served on the New Zealand SAS counter-terrorist team. So it's kind of like if you think of your SEAL Team 6, your Delta Force over there in the States, we did um, hostage rescue and training in reality for, for all the time. But I just got off a show yesterday uh, with a, a fellow NZSAS operator. We made life and death decisions every single day for ourselves, you know, abseiling off the side of a building, jumping out of a helicopter, but not only for ourselves, we look after the guy next to us. And if you're in a leadership role, looking after that. So what that taught us was... Um, some real life importance gave us real purpose uh, because of life and death situations. And it, it really changed my outlook on life. It, it, it changed the importance of things. 
I, um, I served three years there and then I ended up coming to Perth, as I said, um, some operators, we all came over here. I fell into policing. I've been a, fire, uh, a fireman for the last 11 years, but I've also been the whole time teaching, I guess, health coaching. I, I, I teach sleep, stress and human nutrition. And um, I, I love helping people. And the reason why, Brad, is it, most people don't know the military. We're not there to be the, the Rambos. We're in service of others. And our role in, the, in, in my team and the counter-terrorist team and hostage rescue team, we put our bodies before you. We're going we're gonna to save you guys. We're going to save everybody else. The things we do, are, most people couldn't comprehend. Not saying that they couldn't do it, but they can't comprehend the level of we'll put our bodies in front of those, those bullets and those bad guys and those bombs in order to, to help others. And we, we love doing that. We're just wired that way. Pretty weird, to be honest. Um, uh, but look, that carried on to the health side of things. And I, I really am passionate about helping others. And I do that as much as I can uh, in my spare time as well. So you're, you have a coaching operation and also working with uh, like uh, groups, clientele, uh, uh, corporate, military. Tell us about your services. Sure. I mean, uh, for about 10 or so years, um, a mentor of mine, uh, Rowan Ellis in, uh, in New Zealand, he, um, he said, look, you've got so much information. You've been, you've been in, the, in the fitness and health world, which are interrelated, but not, not linked fitness and health, as you all know from our show, um, which was literally your journey. Uh, he said, just, just have people pay for your time. And, and I like to get a, a really good product out. So I thought, okay, I've really got to get a, a, a concrete version of what I'm doing. I, I just taught clients individually over, over um, 12-week programs, correcting their, um, their nutrition, getting it back to what they needed to do individually, um, correcting their sleep back to normal, which is so well needed and the stress side of it was important but um i don't do so much of it any, uh, really now i've changed tech a little bit I, I still help people out if i can i had someone come to me really needed some assistant and i'm happy to help them and take them on board as a as a individual client but i've really found my purpose using my special forces training experience in the last six months teaching people how not to die and it's it's it's, it's self-defense, which is, nobody likes to know self-defense, but the how not to die just seemed to resonate. You know, I'd teach people to lock the door in their car and, and take an earbud out when they're, when they're running, especially if you're a female or just situation awareness. And long story short, it resonated, uh, Brad. And I've had messages saying, you know, I've been a special forces guy for 20 years. My wife hasn't listened to a word I've said and she's following you and, um, and it's working. So uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to serve others by helping them, um, uh, their loved ones stay safe and, and, and um, yeah, stay safe and, and able to come home. Well, it seems like we've uh, systematically lost our hypervigilance these days. Uh, we've talked wow. about that in some of the Primal Blueprint books because um, everything's been uh, anesthetized uh, from danger. And there's examples like um, the, the, the road signs and the guardrails in America that we obsessively put up to prevent car accidents. And then you go to the Alps in Europe and there's no signs, there's no guardrail and there are windy, crazy roads that are way more dangerous, but there's less accident rate because when you're driving on a windy, crazy road in the mountains, you're not changing the CD changer or looking at your mobile device. And then if you take that example 
and and push it into all the different areas where you could be looking at your device while you're crossing the crosswalk, even though the light's green, um, you, you, you kind of uh, maybe benefit from tuning in to some of these things that have been suppressed by the safety and predictability of modern life. Absolutely. And it even relates to food as well. I mean, you got to take mm. ownership, don't you, Brad? You've got to take ownership of your sleep, your food, your stress response, and not, not outsource it at all. And <laughs> I, I was just teaching, uh, I was chatting with a, a SAS operator yesterday, I think, and we teach our kids the right stuff, yeah? We, but we forget about ourselves. And like mm. they say in the plane, you know, the auction marks comes down, put it on yourself first. Save yourself first, be of service to others. Same with first aid, make sure you're safe, then you can help others. But same, what if you're sleep deprived as a parent? How good a parent are you going to be? How good a, a partner are you going to be? How good are you going to be at work? All these things. And let's let's do the right thing for ourselves as well as um, other people. And, as, and even these experts that they don't practice what they preach. It's, it's so important to keep to those basics, in, in my opinion, and, and just do well for yourself and then you can help others. That's a good one. Uh, I was going to observe that on my visits to Australia and New Zealand for racing, I uh, experienced a culture that had a tremendous appreciation for um, fitness, outdoor living, athletic lifestyle, um, the no worries mate uh, mentality, and the friendliness of the New Zealanders. I stayed with host families there for a week and just became part of their lives. And it seemed to me um, there were some really refreshing, wonderful differences from the stereotypical American culture and the excess and the consumerism and the exportation of these assets to other places. So I'm wondering, clearly, uh, you guys aren't immune from um, the, the the pressure forces of modern life being in the Southern Hemisphere, but I'm wondering if you see any compare and contrast from um, a lot of the things that might be uh, sensationalized when you look at American culture, but actually have a lot of uh, areas of truth to them, including the uh, obesity rates and the uh, the other things that are that have gone off the deep end here, um, knowing we still have some challenges to to navigate down under. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe it's the size. You know, what have you guys got? Like three twenty million people. It's it's a lot of people. Um, Coming to Perth was a big, big change. Perth, you, you think of it as a city, but te uh, technically I think it's like two or 300 k's long with a bunch of different um, suburbs, they call them. Well, in New Zealand, that'd be a whole new town. <laughs> um, so they're, they're very small in New Zealand. And I think that gets you out of that big city mentality that, that I could sort of summarize what you're saying there and it gets you to take ownership. You know, the kids do play outside. You are outside more because you're not stuck in that that concrete jungle so much. And I think I, I was talking to someone a, a couple of weeks ago, if you are in that concrete jungle, you then got to, hey, that's where we are. Now I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got where I am, which actually, <laughs> at the motto of the unit, they say it's who dares wins for the SAS. Actually, it's do the best you can with what you've got where you are, which I think applies to everybody. And that's... And answering your question in a slightly roundabout way, Brad, that's what Kiwis do and that's what Australians do because we were always removed from the Commonwealth, removed from the um, the empire. We're, we're in this, we're thousands of miles away, you know, in the next country is Antarctica for my country and you've yeah. got to make do with what you've got. Um, and it's, it's a common sense, stand on your own two feet mentality. Um, I mean, an example, and I'm not the best dad, I, I try to be my best dad, uh, to my seven-year-old 
he's two years old. I've got him outside with a, a hammer and saw and things. I taped up the for, the, the, the chlorine into the hammer so he wouldn't, you know, scone himself. But why not? I mean, because I remembered at three years old, I was doing the same thing in kindergarten. So let's expose them. And what was amazing was seeing his level of exposure to these things. I, I know he's safe because he, as you said, had no guardrails. I wouldn't let the kid die, but, you know, I wanted to expose him to that. That's funny. My former podcast guest and friend Gita Savander uh, was talking about how she had a little stool uh, for her son at a year and a half or two years old so he could get up there and crack some eggs and cook them on a hot stove. And wow. uh, when when he burns himself, uh, he'll he'll never forget the lesson. Um, but, you know, the, the stuff we do um, <laughs> to, to, to keep the, the kids safe from everything starts to get exponentially increased to the point that they're, uh, you know, become emotionally fragile because they haven't had any adversity. And um, I, I like all those anecdotes of, you know, busting loose a little bit. Yeah, 100%. And I, I caught myself one time, like I do try to be my, uh, the best dad I can be um, to him. I, um, I said to him one time, I'll be, be careful. And I stopped myself and I changed it to be clever. Mm. And I thought, you know, because that mind power, that mental, that the, the mental um, programming that you and I went through to become champions, um, it wasn't um, don't fall, don't fall, don't lose, don't lose. We, we had that positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So be clever or get to the end or I'm the winner, all these things. So I just say, be clever if you're crossing the road or whatever. And I think those little things count. And, but it also seeps into back into my brain. I hope it makes me uh, the, the best sort of person I can be as well. So how do we take ownership, as you call it, of our stress levels, uh, our tendency toward anxiety, uh, as well as our sleep, which are the big points that you hit? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's a great question. Look, <clears throat> anxiety, we can either react or we can create. And uh, they're almost the same letters. Oh, yeah. I'm not I was going to say, is that an acronym? Did you just uh, make up a, uh, it's pretty close. We can use that in our wordplay game. Yeah. <laughs> so you can either react or create. And um, you're in charge of your brain. Um, you know, you done the, you've got Tony Robbins. I did the John Kehoe Mind Power. But you, you create your thoughts. Um, so you're in charge. You're not, a, um, you're not a slave to what's going on around you. Your environment will influence you, but you're in charge of this. And it's a supercomputer. Um, on top of that, we've actually got some technology now. We've got the breathing things. We've got um, Mark Devine from SealFit does the box breathing. We've got all these, um, uh, the, the Pranayama apps. Um, I guess you've got all the meditation apps. So that's well beyond my skill set. I'm a basic SF guy. And before we went in to do dangerous things, we would just breathe, chill down, go and we should be the most anxious ever because we're going to go in a life-threatening situation so ownership how to take ownership well box breathing's out there box breathing without any thinking will switch off your fight and flight response and it's that easy so we'll be doing box breathing um, um in the helicopters before we go and do things and all the sf guys do it. it was actually invented for the navy seals all the special forces units around use it around the world so why not let civilians use it because it's an easy tool uh, you don't have to believe it, which is great because not a belief system. All you do is you breathe in, and I use three seconds. Breathe in, three, two, one. Hold your breath, three, two, one. Breathe out, three, two, one. Hold your breath, three, two, one. 
do it for a few times, switches off your stress response, switches off your anxiety, maybe only for the couple of minutes you do it, but why not? We, we love cheating. Who dares wins, you know? So that's straight away ownership there. And anybody that's listening, you now have a tool that will conquer your stress for that time. So there's no excuse. Just do that. And if you want to know the physiology, and I know I'm preaching the choir with you, Brad, my friend, uh, the physiology for the, for the listeners, um, you're only getting oxygen in for three seconds. So for the other nine seconds, your brain goes, oh my God, this kid is, is, is um, choking himself. Calm him or her down because we don't have much air. So we're just going to be super calm. So there's, there's one bit of ownership from knowledge. Hmm, that's a good way to explain it. And it reminds me of the uh, the popular strategies and books like The Oxygen Advantage with Patrick McCune or, or Breath by James Nestor, where they're talking about uh, minimizing the intake of oxygen and improving the carbon dioxide tolerance to elicit a stress response as well as a performance advantage. But when you think about that box breathing, yeah, only one side of the box is the inhale. But I guess yeah. uh, it goes hand in hand with the when we're stressed, the tendency is to overbreathe. I guess as a panic reaction. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You know, you shallow breathing and, and lots of it. I mean, um, I had COVID about a, a week and a half, two two weeks ago, and I, I saw the breathing um, with the Uru ring. It was amazing to see, and my respiration was was um, had gone from twelve. Uh, subconsciously because you're literally physically stressed. Um, so yeah, the respiration rate changes and you do breathe shallow. And, but that's a, that's a vicious cycle. As you said, you're going to get, um, uh, it feeds into, well, I'm not breathing much, so I'm stressed. So it's a vicious cycle. It's almost hard to believe when uh, I, I've read this and heard this so much that if you engage in uh, any manner of uh, deliberate nasal diaphragmatic breathing, such as box breathing and the other recommended practices, um, you can uh, literally change your body chemistry on the spot. And secondly, that you will transcend uh, the state of uh, panic, anxiety, and actually uh, kick into parasympathetic. And I'm, I'm now thinking about it more. And I guess if someone is truly worked up and anxious and really in a uh, disrupted state, I would guess that if you went over and ask them to engage in box breathing, that they would either be incapable of listening to your direction and they couldn't do it. And they'd be yeah. telling you why with a breathless, Damien, I can't, don't bother me right now. I'm too nervous. I, I don't want to do your stupid breathing drills that you taught me yesterday. It would either be that, or if yeah. you somehow able to, you know, as a special forces operator, come in, grab them by both shoulders and say, look, you're going to breathe and follow me right now. And then would it actually work? Is it that powerful of a technique that it can truly transcend uh, body chemistry in a short time if you can do it? it? It is. And that classic one, I use the kids, you know, they're hurt and you say, look at me, breathe. So it is. But let me go back to the first one you said, you know, they're literally breathless going, hey, I don't want to do your stupid breathing drills, Damien. Um, as SF guys, and I, we're always humble, we're always learning. I interviewed Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman uh, a couple months ago. He taught me something that was amazing. This broke my mind. He said, if someone's in that state, you just hand them a bottle of water and you just say, have a sip. 
and he was chilled. He's an old, he's an older guy. He's, you know, they tell stories. I'm not that good at storytelling. So, okay. And then they, they started getting one up. Yep. Okay. Just have another sip. What that did, it forced, when they're sipping, forced them into rest and digest for that one or two seconds. So it broke the loop. And we were, um, we were talking maybe at a car crash, you know, you got a victim or a witness that's really flipping out and maybe coming along as a police yeah. officer and then, okay, you wanted to calm them down. But I was blown away. How simple is this? Here, have a bottle of water. Yep. Yep. And you're just listening. They're flipping out. You're not trying to control them. Therefore, they're not anxious mm. about some, some guy or girl, mm. you know, tell them the opposite. Okay, just have a sip. Just have a sip. Have a sip. And I, so I interviewed him. And then something happened with my boy, you know, uncontrollable crying a couple of days, days later. Boom. Here, have a sip. It worked. Just that, it just broke it for a couple of seconds, then broke it. And once you break that cycle, then you go, okay, now breathe. And yet, okay, but they're still thirsty, have another drink. And I thought this was amazing. And it does answer your question eventually, Brad. It does break that body chemistry. I love that. The water trick is is brilliant. <laughs> I mean, we can all do that to ourselves as well as uh, offer that to someone who's stressed out. And Exactly. Um, and I guess if someone is really suffering with uh, things that are disruptive to their life in, in terms of um, anxiety or over, over, uh, overdoing it on the stress response, they can simply put in more practice and, and kick into breathing until it becomes, uh, you know, rewiring those flawed pathways that keep lighting up. Perfect. Look, you see, you know, so with a client, uh, I tell them do the box breathing twice a day, every day, and as required. And for the listeners, I have I give this example. <laughs> as needed. It's like you can yeah, put it in a prescription bottle with the little printout. I love exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. And we'll go to sleep soon. And, and Dr. Kirk Parsley, my sleep guy, um, he says, sleep's not sexy. Why is it so hard to sell sleep? But going back to the stress, um, I gave it to a 27-year-old a uh, female client years ago. And she was pretty stressed, you know, young girls. Um, and she had to go to court one day as a witness for the prosecution, for the good guys, a, a witness for the police. She told me she sat outside the courtroom, surrounded by police. Everybody's been through metal detectors. So in logic, it's the safest place ever. <laughs> of course, she was anxious. She told me she did it like 67 times that day. Realized she had the feeling, do box breathing. Realized the feeling, do box breathing. What ownership is that? You know, Brad, that's, that's, I was so happy to hear that. And she had a great day. It's uh, almost like if you have the discipline and the the focus and the and the desire to execute the recommendation 67 times in one day uh, it seems like you're you're going to cure or or greatly alleviate any um tendency or you know natural uh condition that you know that you're you you suffer from quote quote unquote suffer you just take charge and i guess that goes back to your opening statement there where people take ownership I think so. I think so. I agree. I was, I was just so stunned. I, you know, I said twice a day, every day, and it was required. And she's like, the next coaching call, we catch up. And she's did it this many times. I'm just so proud. Uh, you know, she identified it and she went, I don't need to feel like that. Here's the tool. Boom. Put, put the app on. Fantastic. Wow. Uh, yeah. What about the big challenge of sleep? And my observation on this is um, most people 
already know a lot of the important attributes that we'll talk about, but it still remains a glaring area of weakness or uh, insufficiency in people who are otherwise aspiring to lead a healthy, productive, balanced lifestyle. It really does. And it's, um, I think there's a quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, you know, I just took one hour of sleep off for a night and I get, I can, and therefore this much more productive than every other human, you know, he's mm. ultra competitive, ultra, um, if you're not with me, you're against me sort of guy, but it was true. He was, he was, he had more time in the day. I would actually challenge if he was more productive. Sleep is the most anabolic thing you can do. Sleep is one of the, the best things you can do. I think it outperforms any drug. Mm. I mean, if you're sleep deprived, uh, by two hours, you're 30% insulin resistant, five hours or less, you're in, insulin resistant for 24 hours, you can reverse that in one night's sleep. No drug, no drug will reverse insulin resistance in that time. Sleep is so important. And Kirk Parsley explained it to me really well in a show once. He said, um, sleep is where you recover from the day's activities before. Mm. Now, if you could recover 100%, you wouldn't age. If you recover when you sleep, and you don't quite recover, but you got to recover the most you physically can when you sleep. And that's literally the best anti-aging thing there is because you're recovering from the day's activities. Look how long kids sleep for because they're growing and they're super active. A kid will cut themselves or have a sprain or a bruise. Next day they wake up and, and go and do it again because they, they were so anabolic, so recovered. And it is so important. And for us, older generation that are using our brains rather than our physicality um it's super important to make that that brain recover and and, and convert those long-term the short-term memories from yesterday into long-term memory today and perform with our brain because we our bodies aren't what they were in our 20s and we know better as parents we teach our kids how to get to sleep that's the point of the little baby and then the toddler and and then the the whatever the the name is for when they're seven eight nine and we, we, we just don't put importance on it uh, for ourselves, but they know, I mean, they sleep 12 hours a day sometimes, um, depending on their age range. Sleep is one of the, the most important things you do for your health, your recovery, your performance. It's literally performance enhancing. If you're not, you're putting the handbrake on. And I'll give an example. Uh, let's use a, um, a ego example. A male who loses one hour of sleep a night for one year, we'll put on 14 pounds of body fat. Now, if you're not putting on body fat, if you're listening, you've got the hand, but you're only getting, you're losing an hour of sleep. You've got the handbrake on. So you're doing great. Well done you. You've, you've got some good nutrition. You're probably exercising hard, but you're, you're literally pedaling uh, into the wind. You literally got the handbrake on going against the current, whatever analogy you want to use. That is a straight up, exact stat of, of what sleep deprivation can do. And that was only an hour. So sleep of seven and a half to nine hours, depending on which one makes you feel the best. It's not a rule. You, you, we need it every, every night and it needs to be consistent and you will perform better and you're going to be less anxious. Your metabolism is going to be amazing. Your insulin sensitivity is going to be great. Your hunger is going to normalize your I interviewed Chris Van Santa last week, one of the Delta Force guys who captured Saddam Hussein. And he was in a dark, wobbly, depressive, suicidal state, absolutely open to talk about it. He, to get himself right, he went in the, into the wilderness for two or three weeks. And after 11 days, 
his sleep normalized. He felt amazing. He talked to his partner and he became human again. He, he got back to where he was because he was a, one of the best guys in the world at what he did. So sleep is key, but we do not place the importance on it. I still don't know why, Brad, but it is something we do. Hey, man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. I'm fascinated by the research uh, showing that if you're sleep deprived, you're uh, 20% slower with cognitive function or or some number like that. And then the add-on is that you're not aware of it because you're sleep deprived. And so you think you're fine. It's sort of like the drunk driving analogy where uh, who's a good judge of their ability to operate a motor vehicle, someone who's sober. And so someone who has blood alcohol level, they are going to think that they can drive in in large part due to the blood alcohol can clouding their judgment. And so everyone knows that, uh, you know, shocking uh, reality. But if we can apply that analogy to sleep, boy, that's a, a real slap in the face to think, boy, you know, how can I get more productive by by f- closing the lid and coming back later instead of trying to power through? A hundred percent. And caffeine helps a little bit. Um, but, you know, 18 hours awake, you are then legally drunk. That's the number. You're at wow. 0.8. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how they relate uh, the... the um, the numbers, but you're at point eight. You're legally drunk after 18 hours awake. And as a police officer, we do long shifts. And I remember six in the morning, literally whipping my head while I was driving the car. When I finished that shift, I stopped. I actually, I pulled a car over to keep me awake. I pulled the first car <laughs> over in front of me. <laughs> I had to get out of the car, talk to the guys that wake me up a little bit. 
But when I got back to the station, I went to sleep for an hour and a half before I went home because I would have killed myself or someone else. That's pushing it out to the limit. And that's a pretty common uh, attribute of the military career as well as the law enforcement, huh? Yeah, you put yourself um, last. Um, you're in service of others. And, mm. and we, um, we don't listen to signals. But when I was in the, in the Special Forces, we used to do um, uh, exercises with sleep deprivation. You know, you're just out doing the job for two days and so on. And then the weekends come, right? The, ex the exercise is finished. It's Friday. We want to go and, and party. And the boss wouldn't let us go for about three or four hours. And we're thinking, you know, the officers, well, what are they doing? They're doing their fancy talking. And then eventually we all sort of crash out on the couches because mm. we're waiting. We're going, oh, come on, hurry up with you. <laughs> well, they were sneaky, weren't they? <laughs> mm. Fantastic. Yeah. So let's talk about two different um, scenarios. One is the person who actually does have the, uh, the flexibility and the advantage of creating a bedtime and, a, and an awakening time. And yes. I put a lot of people in that category. And then someone yes. who is naturally challenged due to their shift work or disruptive sleep patterns being uh, a parent of young ones or others who, how the heck are we going to make up for the stat, the cards uh, stacked against us from the start? I love that. That's, that's, and that's so real. Thank you for asking such a great question, Brad. Look, let's get the easy one out of the way. The person that has got control over their hours, you, you, um, sunset happens. You don't have light that's not orange coming in your eyes after sunset. Mm. So put the sexy glasses on the orange glasses, or even easier for a bit of sociability with your partner, get an orange or red light bulb in your in your lounge, and, and that's going to put you to sleep. Historically, from civilizations, Aboriginal civilizations about two hours after sun, sun goes down, maybe to three hours. Mm. So you go to sleep with the, the darkness there. The three things that never change for sleep is lack of light after sunset, reduced body temperature, and reduced brain activity. Example, and I really am such a crayon guy, I apologize for being so brutal, but you wouldn't, um, wouldn't um, put your little baby um, bath bottle um, and then pull them out to the lounge, put all the lights on, put Rambo on the TV and, and start partying. Yeah. You know well enough it's going to be calming them down, nice dark lights, and then put them to bed. Same thing for us. We're the same. So lack of light after sunset, reduced body temperature, and reduced brain activity. And then you go to sleep, and then you wake up naturally without an alarm clock. For us, we literally wake up at 4.30 in the morning because it's, it's light at 4.15 here but we were asleep at 9, 9.30. So I don't know what the mass is there. We slept in again with that little sleep cycle to about five, but there's somewhere about seven and a half, eight, eight hours. We try to get to sleep at 8.30. That's the basics. Um, I do find that someone that's really trying to reset their sleep cycles and get their sleep back, they do need a crutch. And I, I always use a sleep supplement with those people for about a month. Mm. And and the reason why is they know what, they know what, normal which for them is great it's like magic they know what it feels like so they're motivated to get there and of course they're actually biologically better to get there because they had a good night's sleep and then they're going to build on that so i use um i I'm, i use uh, dr kirk parsley's sleep formula developed for the seals it, it just works every time you can also use melatonin but there's ups and downs i'm sure people have talked about on your show of, of doing too much so the person that has that, that's what you need to, to do, going to sleep with the light, keeping that sleep hygiene. And if we just look at what I said, that's probably not going to be technology because you're not 
look in those lights after after sunset and then waking up naturally um super important is getting this light i'm outside uh it's not we have a virtual background it's not my bookcase um i'm outside in that light in the morning and that resets my clock um every time to to realize that sunset's going to be happening a few hours later so light in the morning natural light is super important um and no coffee after say 12 or 12 to 3 caffeine has a half-life of five hours so it builds up so watch your stimulant intake but that's the basics let's keep it super simple we don't want to get those one percenters let's get the big low-hanging fruit mm. now the next one would be my um my first responders the people the shift work the nurses and so on but i'll pause and, and see if you've got any questions on what i went through there brad mm, thank you one is uh when it comes to sunrise i'm uh not inclined personally and do not enjoy those times when I have to wake up before sunrise. And I'm no. curious, is that a potential interference um, for someone who, you know, has a tendency to to get up super early before the sun is up? A hundred percent. And and it's probably a loaded question because you are so much more educated than, than I am at this, Brad. Um, the bottom line is you have sleep cycles, about 90 minutes. You start up here, you're fully awake, and you dip down to the sleep cycle over about 45 minutes, come up to 90, and you're almost awake. Sometimes we feel the need to pee. Uh, peeing didn't wake you up. You were just almost conscious, and then you had a bit of a bladder, so you woke up. Hmm. Kids do 40 minutes, and babies wake up every 40 minutes. Um, so natural. If you wake up to the alarm clock at the bottom of that sleep cycle, Brad, you don't know what day it is. You don't know what your name is, what planet am I on? And that is the worst. That's going to affect you. We used in the special forces, Brad, on selection. You think about the Navy SEAL training, how weak all those things. We all do selection processes. We'd on day one, sorry, day zero before they start day one, we'd say, right, lights out at 10 15. And they put the lights out and we go in at 11, 11 p.m. and wake them all up because it ruined their circadian rhythm for 24 to 48 hours and made them tired and, and irritable because you want to see what they're like when they're tired and irritable. Ooh, wow. Brutal, man. Brutal training. But and we're not scientists. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're not scientists. We're not eerie fairy people. We, we didn't know about circadian rhythms. We just went, we know the screws them, so we'll do it. But let's not do it to ourselves. Uh, so now we have someone who, for whatever reason, is sleep challenged. And maybe one of the reasons is a buildup of years and decades of bad habits to the point where, and I talked to a lot of people uh, just just the other day, uh, I talked to a gentleman who says that he wakes up at 3.30 in the morning every day. And I'm like, what the yeah. heck for, man? And he said yeah. he can't help it. And then once he wakes up, his mind starts ruminating about his busy day ahead. And I'm like, man, that does... That sounds like um, that sounds like a disaster, but it's become wired into habit to the extent that any you know he's okay with it. Uh, he gets to sleep at whatever time, so he's getting whatever six or seven hours, which you know arguably might not be enough. But it, it feels to me like a lot of people are somehow getting through the day and getting through life with suboptimal sleep habits that they've somehow adapted to, maybe to their detriment. Yeah, hundred percent. Well. Let's look at, let's answer the question by an example, and then we'll, I'll specifically give action steps because I'm a guy. <laughs> we, we, we do, that's what we do. We do solutions, right? We'll just say sorry um, about that and then end the show. Yeah. Oh, too bad. <laughs> I love it. Um, 
you know, look at the 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 new mum, or even worse, the, the new single mum. Me and my special forces buddies, even on the shows, we all think they are tougher than us mm. because they've got to get it done. They're sleep deprived. They're probably hungry. They've just gone through the biggest trauma ever. Um, if they're breastfeeding, thirty percent of their calories, the calorie need has gone to gone to producing breast milk. They are amazing, and I've done it as a single dad. Um, uh, my boys with me for four days of my fireman off days and four days with his mum. We've co-raised him for the whole time. I've done the circle in the kitchen and didn't know where you are, so I know what it's like uh, to some extent. But I think those sleep-deprived ladies, mums, are absolutely phenomenal, and they get it done. Brad, answering your question because they have to. Mm. But once you show them what what a night's sleep is like. Once that man or that male that you spoke about knows what real good sleep is like just once, you've shown them the, the golden goose. You've shown them the, the, the heaven or whatever you want to call it. And they will go, wow, I thought I was good here. And then I've seen this. This is amazing. The answer to that, I think, is you've got to give them that crutch. You've got to give them that, that good sleep. You know, Chris Van Sant went to the wilderness and on day 11, he was sleeping nine, 10 hours. And he was amazed at how well he felt and everything was gone, but you got to give them the crutch, show them what good sleep feels like, and then teach them concurrently how to achieve that um, over and over um, consistently. They need to reteach themselves because they knew better when they were young. Boy, what a treatment protocol to go out into the wilderness for 11 days and imagine the potential success rate for so many people suffering from modern maladies and receiving modern treatment, namely prescription medication and whatever else they're doing. But yeah, going out, I'm sure your sleep would normalize under the stars in a very short time and it, you'd probably get bored. There's, there's no Netflix to watch. So you could, you could correct <laughs> your sleep. Lifelong sleep difficulties can be, can be managed with 11 days in the wilderness. Well, it's actually not just a, um, a question that you've thrown out there, Brad. Um, uh, like I was talking to Chris and uh, I said there was a study done and I've looked, I've tried to find it. I, I saved it on one computer. There was a study done on, I think the number was about 20 insomniacs and these were bad insomniacs. Like for 20 years, couldn't sleep. And they took them in the wilderness for 20 days, I think. Long story short, every one of them normalized their sleep patterns by day 11, somewhere sooner, somewhere later. And Chris chatting just like this, he's like, Wow, that happened to me. I did this and on day 11, and he was the same. So there was a real world example of Chris and then the, the uh, intellectual world example of a study. But yeah, the, if you do that, you will, you will reset. It resets things. It, it's great. And why not? I mean, can you, can you spend 12 days, 14 days out to make your life so amazing later on? I mean, why not? You'd spend money with a doctor and do prescription drugs. So why not just spend 12 days away? I suppose you could try to recreate that model within the context of your busy life and your lack of flexibility by making a concerted effort to um, tone down the lighting after the sun sets in your environment in the home and switching out for the orange light bulbs and the, the, uh, the, the lenses. If, if you if you cared enough, it wouldn't even be that disruptive if you just took those baby steps in that direction. I think so too. And, you know, armed with knowledge is so important and, and apply that knowledge. Just do one thing. 
You know, when I give these these tips to people, I don't give them to be stressful and change their life. Just mm-hmm. give one little thing. If the person can handle five, they can handle five things. But let's just add that thing and get better. Add that thing, get better, and, and be incremental. Let's be real and meet people where they're at. Um, uh, yeah, it's it's easy to do. Just start applying it. Take action. I mean, who is the awesome guy, Marcus Aurelius Anderson? Act a non-verba. You know, actions not words. Let's not um, get stuck in the weeds of, uh, of of education and actually take action there and put the get go to go to um with, is it Home Depot over there and get an orange light bulb? Yeah, they're fun. Switch them out. Uh, use the red light panels. Whatever you can do to a candlelight and firelight. We should mention that that oh, hue of light uh, has is not disruptive to melatonin in the same manner that blue light is, which is the term that we use for the bright indoor light that appears to be white in color so it, it can be a big change and you can still navigate around your house and uh, watch your entertainment on on the screen if you're if you're inclined maybe wearing some orange lenses uh, so now we have the people who have these uh, built-in challenges such as shift work and are there ways to cope and get around the uh, the realities such as napping or any other strategies thank you it's such a great question and how about this for a a, um, a contextualizer? I don't know if that's even a word, but we'll bring some context to it. The person that you want to save your life as a police officer, as a paramedic, what about a doctor when you go to the emergency room at three in the morning? You want that person to be the best brain ever, right? They did at least seven years of med school. Well, they're sleep deprived. The nurses are sleep deprived. This is terrible. We know their brain, you said about the brain function. We want these people to be optimal. So. As a police officer and as a special forces operator, we learned to do this. Police, not so much. We sort of, you, you get, you pluck it, you sort of guess it along the way. But when we did uh, operations at night in the special forces, we called it reverse cycle. So immediately, it's not just night shift, you're just reversing your cycle of life. So we'd wake up at four in the afternoon, go do PT, go have dinner, dinner's breakfast but it was a cooked one obviously and then we go to work now in the morning a normal day shift um in, in the training cycle is we get up at um we turn up to the uh squadron lines at uh, quarter to eight have a nice chat go do pt eight in the morning hard pt for about an hour and a half get some food down supplementation and go to the kill house at 10 or go to the choppers at 10 or whatever you got to do 10 in the morning and then do your stuff we just reverse that cycle and we would get up at four in the afternoon, go do PT, have our dinner, which, and then start work. We'd have our little night because we're reversing the cycle. And then what we did was we wound down. So we would finish about four or five in the um, morning. And then I'd have a wind down um, routine, same as I do at night. For me, I'd watch a funny comedy show because it's, it's brainless. Remember, reduced brain activity is one of the things that don't change. Mm-hmm. So I'd watch. Uh, we, we we used to watch Mash, <laughs> so we didn't have to think. We just watched Hawkeye and Klinger doing their thing, and um, and then we and we go to go to sleep. Now it's daytime, so you need a blindfold. You you it's not negotiable. You need a blindfold to sleep. All devices are off. Unlucky if the mailman knocks on the door and delivers a package. You know it's bad luck. You can hear when you wake up. <coughs> Excuse me. You can hear when you're sleeping, but. That was what we used. Um, you can use s- supplementation. So if we had to switch as a police officer or as a nurse from um, 
um, night shift to day shift. You got to use caffeine to wake you up. That'll, mm. that'll definitely do the job. You can use melatonin to flick the sleep cycle. Using those two things as tools was helpful and using the light and dark as well. Um, if you <laughs> prepping, so sometimes you're going on to night shift as a, as a shift worker and you're just awake in the day, you wake up at it in the morning, you may have to use caffeine in the afternoon slash evening to stay awake and you'll be 98% effective. Mm. It was proven on some studies done on us. Um, I, I may send you those details, but it's proven that with caffeine, you'll be 98% effective for 36 hours with enough caffeine, but just use it to shift that cycle. And then of course, after you've done your night shift, wind it down, maybe use some melatonin then, and that'll flick you. And then you do have a many subsequent days and nights of that shift. I guess summarizing, use caffeine, use melatonin because it's only for short periods of time. And then of course, always use the re reduced light, reduced body temperature, reduced brain activity. Um, and that light will have to be a blindfold if you're sleeping in the day as, as well. Um, only tinters don't use the orange glasses driving home at night because you'll crash. You can't see the green and the orange very well. <laughs> so that element of reduced body temperature, I remember Matthew Walker referencing that from his book, Why We Sleep, that the body temperature needs to drop by a couple of degrees in order to fall asleep. It's a huge thing. Now, are there strategies to artificially reduce body temperature as we wind down toward bedtime? Thank you. That was, I'm so glad you asked that. Yep. So 19 degrees Celsius, please, um, Americans, everybody else in the world is good, but Americans have changed that one from Fahrenheit uh, to Fahrenheit. 19 degrees Celsius is the optimal um, air temperature. It may just have to be for your head. So you can be under a blanket and that's okay. Um, the optimal air temperature before... for sleeping is nine to 10 yes. degrees Celsius. So if, if you double it and no, add not, 30. Not, uh, sorry, 19, 19. I've got a, a little 19, bit of- 19, yeah, 19. So that's double <laughs> it and add 30. That's what we do. That's 19, 19 is 38. And then add 30 is 68 Fahrenheit. And that's commonly referenced too, which I think in a lot of cases, people will be surprised how cold that is and um, uh, need to make some adjustments accordingly. Look, I agree that it's super important. Um, it was 19 degrees at night uh, the other night here, and it was nice, we could have the windows open, um, but when it's 25 degrees Celsius at night, it's gonna be too hot, so you gotta have the air conditioning on. 19 degrees, um, I found with clients with rheumatoid arthritis, they can't handle that, um, so they might put a, um, a, an ice pack underneath their pillow, so it's just cooling their brain down. So there's a little hack as well. And uh, Ariana Huffington says to uh, get in a warm shower, and many other experts say so too, where if you warm the body up through the shower, you will have a compensatory response of actually dropping the body temperature as the blood leaves your extremities that was in there during the warm shower. And that's a great way to prepare for bed. Um, conversely, if you're gonna do a cold plunge, um, that seems like uh, an instant obvious way to lower body temperature to go to bed. However, when you get out of that cold plunge, your body works hard to rewarm and perhaps even overwarm. So um, I was fooling around with cold plunging in the evening hours at times. And then I realized um, when, I, when I get out of the, uh, the hot water, it's probably a better strategy and more appealing for people who wanna relax and wind down and go to sleep. Look, absolutely. You know, I'm from New Zealand. It's cold there at the best of times. Let's think about when we we're kids or if you've got a kid 
um, as a parent. The, the kid gets out of the bath or the shower and what do they do? Daddy, daddy, put you know, wrap me up in the towel because they're shivering a little bit, aren't they? So, right. so they didn't have a cold shower. Who the hell would do that back in the day, back in our day, Brad? Um, so they just have their normal shower or bath and then they're going to wrap them up. So my advice is do what you do said, but have the air conditioning on if, if it's an ensuite, have the window open so you're doing that little shiver afterwards because you're vacillated totally. And just be a little bit cool. Have a cool drink, maybe an icy slushy that'll assist. Mm. Um, and yeah, that'll flick the body temperature. It's again going back to kids that they can teach us a lot of the right way to do things. We know what they did, and it flicks their body temperature. It's super important. If we're in super hot places like this, I'll have a um, an ice bath at maybe four in the afternoon, five in the afternoon, because um, I need to just lower my body temperature. But one thing there. I mean, I again preach in the choir, exercising at night. They say it disrupts sleep. I believe they've seen that it's just from the raise in body temperature. So let's hack that. You can only exercise at six at night after work, perhaps, after seven o'clock at night after work. Well, if that raises your body temperature, then sure as hell cool it down a little bit as well with an icy slushy mm. or some other way. But do the best you can with what you've got where you are. Um so let's mitigate those things. But you nailed it there. Get that shower, get that bath, get out, have the cold air on you afterwards. You know, hand, brush your teeth with the window open. That'll shiver you down with the with the water on your skin. And then you've got evaporation and, oh, you know, the other fancy words for, for cooling than I do. And that would be the way to do it. So where does the fitness component come into the picture with all your emphasis on de-stressing and uh controlling your breathing getting that sleep right of course look that's that's a great question um it's probably where i started with this uh brad back in the day because i was a personal trainer i know how to get people fit and strong and i was i was the bodybuilding champion i had the all blacks as as clients um what i found when when the average person came to me and wanted to get in shape and get healthy that was hardly any part of the puzzle so then i went oh it's got to be food well these you'd say eat this diet and they, they they're not sleeping they're stress and it screwed things up so the three-legged stool was sleep stress and nutrition mm. the fitness i think the answer would be first off let's just move you know let's move naturally let's go for a walk in the morning do those things uh, my personal opinion is you want to be strong i want to be strong to save for the life of my my son and myself and unfortunately weirdly i do a job where i have to save other people's lives it's it's not normal but i have to be strong enough to do that so i want to be strong um i'm a little bit vain i want to look good um, i'm honest about that but it's a byproduct of of strength um i try to better myself every day i'm injured as you know and you're recovering from this from the surgery and, and so on so i'm still trying to improve myself there um where does exercise come into it look i think lift some weights or do some strength and conditioning somehow um, get outside, do some 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 walking, do some running if running is your your thing. So get an aerobic base, and just like the primal blueprint stuff, maybe sprint sometimes, do some long stuff, and and lift some heavy things, and and eat good food, and sleep and recover, and try and um, conquer the stress because we've got tools to do it. You're in control. Um, it's it's not a very scientific answer. I'm sorry, but it's it's, it's hopefully it's relatively real. Pretty simple to execute, not asking for a lot of time or to bend your life backwards. And um, 
I'm curious, you know, a seven-year-old, what a fun, exciting age. And do you see some great potential ahead as well as the uh, navigating of these uh, present day hazards in America? We have things like helicopter parents is one of the hazards and then all the uh, infiltration of mobile device into every second of the day, which is also especially harmful for young people. But I wonder what your strategy is and your vision and your intention for the for the years ahead. Oh, thank you. Well, what a great question. Look, one of the first things I've got with that is um, we've watched um, the kid wants to watch um, the uh, sorry wants to the same story every night. Wants you to sing yeah. the same song, <laughs> and it's it's mind numbing to us, but literally it's mind numbing to them because it's mm. reduced brain activity, so they know it's safe. Um, so we've been watching. Um, uh, I think I've made the poor kid watch the same David Attenborough episode for like a year. <laughs> he knew the story, but we we watched it with an orange filter on the screen. And then when he was old enough to watch a screen, he'd use TV glasses. Sorry, we call them TV glasses, blue blocking light glasses. Um, but he has never been addicted to screens, um, Brad, because. He never got the dopamine uh, issue between one and three years old, rewiring of the brain with the screen. He's not, um, what do they call it? Um, chasing the dragon <laughs> for us older people. He's not chasing the dragon of blue light, the dopamine response. So I'll literally say, okay, screen time, the, 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 um, the hand signal, screen time's over, mm-hmm. all done. He goes, yep, no problem, turns it off, takes the TV glasses off, puts them away, and then carries on the next thing. Um, I think that's super important. You talked about navigating this modern world. Those kids can't, they cannot see that blue light unfiltered. It's eight times stronger than the sun. It's We grew up with cathode ray TVs, the big TV screens. I grew up with black and white originally. They cannot see those blue screens between one and three years old. Otherwise, they're going to chase that dragon for life and and then we're going to look for other other ways to get dopamine because playing with toys and, and hammers and nails and, and, and saws um, won't won't cut it. So that was one thing that I was very lucky to to, to sort of stumble over. Um, Brad is the is the question. And the other thing is shared time. So yesterday I was in the gym doing my thing, and he's come out and started doing some some building. Um, first it started with playing his, his toy cars in the in the gym. It's our, it's the garage. But then he he got his his drill that he got for Christmas, mm-hmm. and he got the got the the car out. He's he's building a, a kit, a night rider, and his brain he's building night rider with wheels and, and and nails and things. And all he was doing was wanted a rubber band next to me. Didn't want to lift weights. And then he goes, "Oh, can you do this?" And he got some dumbbells, and he showed me some exercise that he invented. And of course, I went, oh, "I try that." So interact with them. You know, it didn't matter. I took a three minute rest period from my sets or whatever, and I. I held some dumbbells into some crazy way that a seven-year-old invented, but just being with them and and letting them not not poo-pooing them so much. Let let them hang out with you and, and do some things and see see you be an example, you know, of, of doing things as well. I hope that's answered some of your question. I love it. I love it. Really, really uh, practical. And of course, what we expect from uh, a special forces? No fooling around, but just give me the scoop. What do I do? Here's how I do it. And uh, it was great to connect from all over the world and tell us how we can uh, reach you and see more about what you're doing. Uh, thanks, Brad. Look, um, I really am passionate about this uh, project. Um, how Not to Die Guy, I sort of termed that. If you just uh, hashtag How Not to Die Guy somewhere, it'll come up. 
but uh, <laughs> um, and that's why I wore this shirt today, the, the basic mm. dude stuff shirt. Um, Pat McNamara, Delta Force guy, uh, uh, invented that. He's he's phenomenal. Just show some cool stuff for everybody. It's not just dudes. But um, yeah, look at look at hownottodie.com.au. Look at hownottodie guy on Instagram. Message me about any questions you got. I, I'm absolutely happy to help. I, I've had questions fielding all, all week this week, and it's phenomenal to be able to help them. I had a guy message me that he saw some of my workout videos that I posted for no other reason, and he's lost like 30 pounds. He's in the Air Force, and I didn't even know the guy. He messaged me last night. I was showing Jessica going, this is amazing. So I, I, I voice messaged him back, look, anything I can help with, wow. let me know. I'll assist. Because what does it take to leave a, a one-minute voice message? You know, we're not – it's not the stars like it was back in our day, Brad. I mean, I connect with you. You're a world record holder. You're a champion. 20 years ago, I would never have been able to contact you and connect. And here we are sharing our our stories for others to learn. And I think that's so important to share our experiences. Love it. And what about your show? How can we uh, tap into that? Oh, I appreciate it. You're so thoughtful. Thank you. Um, I, I run the podcast, the Straight Talk Mind and Muscle podcast. Brad's been a guest on it. It was amazing to interview my first uh, world record holder um and uh yeah that uh, i interviewed some of the best people in the world at what they do straight talk mind and muscle podcast on um youtube uh spotify itunes all, all the things put it in for google and you'll you'll see it come up damian porter everybody from beautiful perth australia straight talk mind and muscle and how not to die guy a great goal thanks for your great work and for taking time to visit Hey ladies, you may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits. You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. You visit the website gainswave.com, G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area. You complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment. So please visit gainswave.com slash Brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner. Buy six treatments and get one free. Thank you so much for listening to the BRAD podcast. We appreciate all feedback and suggestions. Email podcast at bradventures.com and visit bradkerns.com to download five free ebooks and learn some great long cuts to a longer life, how to optimize testosterone naturally, become a dark chocolate connoisseur, 
and transition to a barefoot and minimalist shoe lifestyle.